Well, welcome to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato here with my colleague and co-anchor and executive producer, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? Doing really good. I, I'm actually just kind of giggling. I, I, I remember a time many, many months ago when we were in studio together and we could actually see one another. And I think at this point, it's been about five months since uh, we've physically seen one another, but we haven't uh, missed a beat. But I have picked up the fact that you are wearing, for the first time, a new outfit that has not been seen on Lessons in Leadership. Can you confirm this? That is confirmed, but I hope this isn't the first time I've had on a new outfit, but <laughs> a new color, that's for sure. Yeah, what I do is just keep the same suit, as you can tell, boring blue pinstripe. Yeah, men have it a lot tie. easier. Well, it's, yeah, it is I, a lot easier. I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a show out there, it's called Fool Us, and it's Penn and Teller, and it's a magic show. And there's a woman host on there and every season she wears the same outfit for every single episode and they've got to do like 24 episodes. So I may just start in that pattern, find something, my, my stand and deliver blue and just stick with that. Now we got to mix it up. And because just like leadership, Mary, watch this segue. You got to keep growing. You have to keep evolving. And uh, the guest that we have right out of the box that uh, continues to evolve. We've been working uh, closely with Tom Casey, who is a the Vice President of Marketing and Public Relations at St. Joseph's Health. We've been working with Tom for well over a decade, and he never stops learning. Is that fair to say, Tom Casey? That's very true, Steve, and it's good to see you, and good to see you too, Mary. You too. So, Tom, let's get right into this. We have, in fact, talked about leadership and communication and communicating and leading in challenging times, et cetera, et cetera. As a communication, marketing, and leadership expert, on the inside, but you've also consulted as well in the past. Describe how challenging the COVID era has been for you and your colleagues. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a powerful question, Steve. Uh, things have really, you know, we, we always say zero to sixty, but this is zero to one twenty. Um, the timing, the rapid, the increase. Uh, I'd say across every sector within every organization, if you take the people factor, the technology. If you take um, the, the financial piece of it and look at communication, communication has been the lightning rod that has just, just shot up through all of that as the number one issue facing every organization, every company, every sector, if you will. How do we communicate? How do we do it quickly, accurately? It's been night and day uh, as over the past five months, changed our whole world, uh, changed the world for a lot of leaders, uh, not just within the communication uh, area, but all leaders across the spectrum. In fact, if you log on to our website at stand-deliver.com, you'll see an interview we did with Kevin Slavin, the CEO, CEO over at St. Joseph's Health. Um, and to fully disclose, I've done leadership development, some media coaching and training as well at St. Joseph's Health uh, under Tom's direction. Tom, let me ask you this. It's one thing helping and working with your CEO, Kevin Slavin, to be the best communicator he can be as a leader, but you're also dealing with clinical professionals who are not trained to be public communicators, but they are leaders in the worst public global pandemic we've had in our lifetimes. How the heck are you doing that? Right, so uh, that's, a, that's a, another uh, key point to what we've been doing over the past five or six months. And I will say my colleagues across New Jersey and now to the South and the West and Florida and California are all embracing this issue that uh, they, folks need information. They wanna fill in the blanks. What does this mean to me? Tell me quickly. Can I do this? Can I do that? I've heard this, I've heard that. You've got rumors, you've got CDC guidelines, you've got clinical protocols, you've got new med drug therapies. The pace of change and 
the rapid volume of, of information coming at the community is enormous. And what we're hearing right now is the number one trusted source for medical information are nurses and physicians. So what we've been doing is we've been putting our nurses and physicians out in front of our community, whether that's through blogs or articles or, or videos, lots and lots of videos, and letting those clinicians talk to the community about what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing because they are the trusted experts. But they didn't sign up for that. Mary's going to jump in a minute, but, but you and I both know this, Tom. They, we've talked about this. They didn't sign up for that. They signed up to be the best clinicians they could be, to save lives, to help people, to do no harm, as the Hippocratic Oath says. But then we're asking them to be great leaders and public communicators outside their realm of what they were trained to do, but that is what is required. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we see every day. Hey, uh, we'll say we want to speak on emergency room care. We want to talk about the return to uh, uh, surgery, or we want to talk about new, even new uh, visiting hours. Uh, folks will come in with a laundry list of information and pages and 16 bullet points and, and we say, okay, <laughs> what slow do you do down. What happens, Tom? Yeah. They have a ton of information. Right. We know it's TMI, too much information. Absolutely. They have a three-minute interview on a media hit somewhere uh, that'll even be edited. How do you get them to... We and I talk about what's the message? How right. do you stay? We often say stay inside the goalpost, like decide what your message is and stay in there. How are you getting him to do that? Right. And I think we, we kind of do a crash course and we need it short. We need it simple. Here's your box. And as we're talking, we're bringing it down saying, so what can you fit in that little tiny space right there? Uh, and they, they almost naturally say, well, okay, Tom, if you want just the key three things that someone needs to know about this, well, it would be these three. I'm like, thanks. Let's take those and see how much time it'll take us to cover just those three elements, and then we'll see if we can get to that other stuff. That's good stuff. Mary, all yours. I'd love to just uh, flip the switch a little bit to the human side of leadership and uh, giving the, your team, these are the tips and tools and getting them out there, but how do you and what, recommend, re what recommendations do you give to your team in terms of managing their own fear? I'm sure when this all started, fear was uh, big in all of our minds and now things, we're starting to figure out this new normal, but there's a fear of a second wave. I don't even know if we ever got out of the first wave, but how do you manage uh, their fear in when they're communicating these messages to the public so the public doesn't panic? Right, um, and that's, a, that's another key issue that we're dealing with here in the hospital and healthcare setting is these are the trusted leaders and they're leading a workforce that has to stand on the front lines and embrace uh, a, a no novel coronavirus that we haven't seen before. So they're in the moment. And then we add into that the fact that we've gone remote we're digital, so we've taken that interpersonal ability to read someone's expression, the ability to actually be in the room with them and feel that interpersonal connection about, are they feeling a little apprehensive? Do they really need to see me? And we can't do that because we're in boxes, we're on computers, we're on conference calls, video conferences, and it removes that human element, which is so unfortunate as leaders, we need that human element, we need that aspect to motivate, calm fears, to show that we know what we're talking about, we're in control here, we can do this, let's move forward together. It's a tough calling for a lot of people. And I will tell you that communications is being thrust into our management team's lives more than they've ever had before. They'd write an email here and there, or take out a new protocol, but now they've got to speak to folks about, am I supposed to come into work? What should I do? I, I heard this from the CDC, my neighbor's doing that, the hospital down the street. And managers have to kind of move on their feet and be prepared to be agile and adapting very quickly to things that are coming at them 
at light speed. But is it, is it okay it. for them, right, I was just right, gonna right. jump in real fast, is it okay for them to say, I don't know, if they don't know? Uh, or do they have to kind of fake it till they make it? Yeah, we don't, uh, that's a real good point. We don't fake it till we make it in a, a pandemic or a crisis, health crisis. Um, facts are king here. And you've heard uh, the governor speak to that, the commissioner of health. We follow the data. We won't put something out until it's been vetted out. Our clinicians are very firm about that. We, we, we enforce and, and encourage folks to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll find out for you. And let me ask one of our infectious disease experts, or let us put a call down into the Department of Health and validate that for you. And we do that on our hotlines with people in the community who are calling and saying, we just heard. They'll say, you know what? We haven't validated that. Let us take your number. We'll get back to you because you really don't want to steer people wrong. They're looking for trust. They need that trust because there's so much angst, so much People are scared. You know, can I go back to school? Can my kids go to school? Can kids get it? Can kids pass mm -hmm. it along? All this information, we've got to bring in our specialists to validate this. And then the specialists want to validate it with the CDC and with the Department of Health before they speak on it. And, you know, in terms of leadership and leadership development, let me just say this, that Tom, along with the leadership of, of Kevin Slavin, the CEO at St. Joseph's Health, um, hopefully I'm not saying this out of school, Tom, they're going to be creating a leadership model, whether it's called an institute or academy. And I know communications will be a big part of that. And, and we'll, we're looking forward to that, um, being a part of, of that. But, but that's the question I want to ask, is about leadership development, whether it's called an academy, an institute, whether it's even called anything. How do you consistently promote leadership development among people who sometimes say, are you kidding me? My plate's so full already. You want me to go to another seminar? You want me to be coached by so-and-so? I can't even deal with what I have. But you and I know, Mary knows, we all know, you don't get better at this without practice, without feedback, without coaching, without mentoring. Talk about it, Tom. Yeah, uh, actually, that's in a case where this a crisis actually has raised their awareness and heightened their sensitivity that they have to be right on their game when it comes to communication. They have to be able to respond in the moment, as Mary said, and they just know when to pull back when it's not appropriate for them to respond. So what we do is we come in and say, we can help you with that. We can, as you said before, we can give you the goalposts. Here you're safe, outside here you're not. Don't go down this rabbit hole. And they, they're looking for that. They're looking for guidance, some tools, some little insights about how do I work with my team? How do I handle someone who's just lost a loved one? I mean, we, we have a spectrum of issues and emotions that we're dealing with. Complex stuff. And it's not just technical skills. It's the human component, as Tom Casey just talked about. And Kevin Slavin, the CEO at St. Joseph's, talks about this as well. One quick thing on Kevin. How would you describe his leadership style and how it influences, dare I say, the culture at St. Joseph's Health? Yeah, that's uh, culture is one of our strongest elements to St. Joseph's. Uh, certainly, we have a 153-year history here in New Jersey sponsored by the Sisters of Charity of St. Elizabeth with wonderful roots uh, here in this community of Patterson and Passaic County. Um, and Kevin embraces that and he, he, he nurtures that. And he's, he's, he's big on allowing to, to have that upward communication from the employees at St. Joseph. They have a voice. And uh, it's one of the few organizations I've worked in over my 35 year career where values and culture are true and real in this organization. When you walk in the door and you speak to someone, you sense that they're capturing you and what you need in the moment. And you can't teach that. You can't nail that on a wall. It's something that's really inside the DNA of the people here at St. Joe's. And Kevin 
helps that nurture by allowing people to have a voice in the organization to speak to them. Uh, and I was, we were kind of chuckling the other day, Kevin would hold quarterly employee <laughs> forums where employees would come around the clock and Kevin would be at 3 a.m. and he'd be meeting. Yeah. We lost all that. So what we've done is we've yeah. that through the town hall meeting. It's a town hall meeting. So every week, Kevin's on a call where employees can dial in and speak to him and ask him questions directly to the CEO. You know, we heard you were going to do this, or the hospital up the street's doing that. And that creates that culture and that confidence in the organization that we have such a mm -hmm. transparent level between leadership and those that are actually out there doing the delivery of care that they can actually speak to their CEO. You know, Tom Casey just said 35 years he's been at this. And, and fair to say, not just for him, but for all of us, this COVID-19 global pandemic is something no one ever expected, but boy, has it changed and challenged the way we lead and communicate every day. So he's learning, we're learning, and we'll learn together. That's what Lessons in Leadership is all about. Thank you, our good friend, Tom Casey. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. Wonderful. Thank you, Tom. This is Lessons in Leadership. We'll be right back after this. This is Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, real quick, uh, takeaway from Tom Casey. Tom's the best. First of all, I have no idea how he's been doing this for 35 years. Um, <laughs> he, he looks so young. And just hearing all the lessons that he's learned about really just being there to support your team and creating a culture in an organization. Uh, you and I talk about it a lot. It's the DNA. It's the culture. It's not something that you check off of a to-do list. And uh, I thought that was really powerful. It is. By the way, it was and is. And we're going to be joined in just a few minutes in an interview I did with Joe Marbach, who is the president of Georgian Court University, right? Yes. We'll set that up in just a minute. Hey, Mary, a couple of things I want to touch base with you on. We've talked about loyalty. We've talked about uh, loyalty is in leadership. Is it a question of being loyal to the individual leader you report to or to some greater cause? And, and I've been reading a lot of books on President Trump's leadership style. The show is not political. It's not ideological. We have no horse in any 2020 race. That's not what we're about. But one of the things that I pick up about the president is that he very much likes to have people around him who, it appears, um, don't challenge him. Meaning, uh, a lot of leaders we've had on Lessons in Leadership will say, I really want to be challenged. I want to, and there are times I want to be challenged, and frankly, times I don't. And you know that better than anyone after 20 years of working together. But I think of John Kelly, right, General Kelly, who served in the military, lost a son in Afghanistan um, in service. And John Kelly was the chief of staff to the president. And one of the things that, and you read virtually every book about this, and it argues this, that John Kelly would challenge the president on a lot of things, including his own style of how he wanted to get information and whether people should just be able to walk into the Oval Office and, and tell them what they thought. And then the president will go out and tweet it or say it or whatever. And John Kelly wanted to bring structure to the White House. Long story short is the president didn't like it. He didn't want John Kelly challenging him. Question, if that's true, if, can a really strong leader have a really strong leader in his or her kitchen cabinet or orbit? And if so, do you have to submerge your own ego to listen to someone else who's a strong leader? Wow, that's a different that's a, point of view than yours. <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, I honestly, truly believe that if you are a confident, great leader, 
you need to be open to hearing others' perspectives, whether it's about something that you're doing, whether it's your belief system. You don't always have to follow what they're saying, but you need to listen. So many of the guests that we interview for Lessons in Leadership talk about listening being an important leadership trait. And in the case uh, that you're just talking about with Trump, and again, not to get political, it seems like he doesn't want to listen, that he wants to really just, this is my belief system, either you're in or you're out. And if you want to surround yourself with yes people all your life, then, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's worked for him. Uh, but on the work, flip work, side- Work how? This is well, interesting. Well, he's president work, of the United States. you need to get States. elected president? Right. It, it worked for him to, you know, be a multi, you know, billionaire, millionaire, become president of the United States. So, you know- But it, how yeah. about leading in that position? So if the public health experts, here's what's interesting. So the president, president has often said, I'm smarter than all the generals. He's often said, I don't listen to certain public health uh, experts because I know better and I know that hydrochloroquine uh, is, is what works. And, and then you, he turns to a public health expert and they're like, uh, do you really want us to say what we think? Do you want us to say what we think you want to hear? Loyalty to whom? And it's not political. Are you loyal to the person you work for to say what he or she wants you to say? Or is there a larger loyalty to the people you serve? And when they conflict, if the leader in question, whether it's Trump or Obama or anyone else, if they don't want it, is it fair to say you can't serve that person? Agreed. I was just going to say that. I couldn't have said it better myself. If you are working in an organization and the leader is not listening, not taking your perspective into account, either you or that leader is going to make a decision that you're not in the right place. So it's just a matter of you need to determine where you want to be mm -hmm. as a leader yourself and then see if that's a good fit. Yeah, but I'm going to push it a little further. Move away from the president. There's an internal debate in our organization or any other. And it's going back and forth. I have a point of view. Other people have a different point of view. They share it. But in the end, I say, here's the direction we're going in. Mm -hmm. There's a problem in this sense. If one of the team members really doesn't believe in that direction, and he or she doesn't want to go in it, but they go along and act as if, but they're not really in, sooner or later, things are going to fall apart. And we've, Mary, you and I both know, we've experienced the fact that we've had team players who don't believe in my leadership. They don't believe in the direction I want to go in. And that's their right. It's free country. But in the end, if I say that's the way we're going and I'm responsible for the outcome, they can't just be there for the paycheck. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. As we always say, you need to be all in. Uh, you spend the majority of your life at work and you need to make sure that you're doing something that's meaningful, that when you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror, you know, and you're, you know, the right place. And you and I have said all the time, unless it's something immoral, unethical, illegal, right. you can definitely push back and put in your opinion. But sometimes it is up to the CEO, the president, that leader will make the decision. And it's up to the team members then to back him or her up. Um, or not. Well. Or not. Yeah. Or, or not. But if they don't, you've got to confront it directly. Definitely. Mary, let's switch gears. Innovation. All right. There's no natural segue to this. We have to innovate. Innovate or die. Right. That's what this is. Our production team with um, Alvin Badger and Frank Brown, our son, Nick and Sylvester, and, and you know, who was on the back end post editing and post production and editing. It's a great team. They weren't all in place before in the same way. We've evolved with our team itself. We're doing new programming, the new one cut series, lessons in leadership doesn't look the same, all kinds of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been reading this book. It's thick and ponderous, but it's about Edison. 
And I kept thinking scientist, inventor. He was a leader, he was an innovator, right? This book called Disruption by Terry Jones. The reason I'm plugging it is because we have to be disruptors in the marketplace. We have to adapt, we have to innovate. And so I wanna have you react to a quote. This is from Albert Einstein on innovation, you ready? Yep. You can't solve a problem on the same level that it was created, you have to rise above it to the next level. Does that make any sense to you? I love the quote and uh, definitely as far as solving a problem, we are getting signs from Elvin that we have about a minute left before <laughs> we have to throw to our next clip. <laughs> How do you like that segue? So you saw that in the, in the Zoom chat group, Come right? on, that's amazing work right there. So uh, he, yes, right. I- right, thank you, Mary. But yes, we need to rise above and I All would right. like to rise above. I'm gonna take control of this situation and I'm, I'm gonna- you're going to be out. I'm going to throw to an amazing interview that you did with Dr. Joe Marbach. He's the president of Georgian Court University. And uh, then we'll take a minute just to come back on the back end of it. So stay tuned for Dr. Marbach. For folks who want to know and understand leadership uh, better than we do right now, and I'm one of them, constantly trying to learn as a student of leadership, we have Dr. Joseph Marbach, president of Georgian Court University. Joe, good to see you, my friend. Great to see you, Steve. Thank you. So here's the question. Uh, you've talked political leadership as a political scientist. You understand leadership of all sorts. You're a leader right now dealing with incredibly difficult issues around COVID-19. As we do this interview, mid-June, biggest leadership lesson you have learned to date about managing leading in this pandemic is? Uh, surround yourself with experienced and expert individuals that you can rely on and trust their judgment. No one person can do it on their own. And if you try to micromanage in this kind of environment, you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Get good people and empower them to do their jobs. How challenging has it been to lead, quote, remotely? Um, it's, it's been a bit of a challenge, but because of technology, we've been able to overcome that. And, and I actually see people a lot more frequently than I did when I was in the office. So Really? Uh, yeah, I spend hours on hours uh, at my desk talking to the machine like this and, and learning about people uh, and learning what they're up to. Uh, so I've actually been much more accessible through the technology. So uh, it's been a learning experience for me, but one that I think uh, I, I benefited tremendously from. I'm going to get a little technical with you, Joe. Um, you know I teach and coach around the area of communication and presentation a big part of the leadership equation. And what's so interesting is that just running meetings, right? You got a Zoom meeting, you and I are doing this via Zoom right now as part of lessons in leadership. And just the idea of running a meeting or presenting in a meeting and the ability to look in a camera, what people don't realize is I'm looking at the camera right now. Dr. Marbach is about four or five inches below, his image is several inches below the camera. He's doing the same thing. So here's the question. In terms of leadership and its connection to presentation and communication, Dr. Marbach, how important is it to get more comfortable communicating with this medium? I think it's the key, Steve, because um, the people you're talking to are gonna take their cues from the individual. And you know, I've had tremendous uh, benefits of, of the experience of working with you in the past, of, of being familiar with this, Media, media, or this medium, and the media in general. So it's it's allowed me to get comfortable in front of a camera, uh, 
And in fact, I've gotten a few of the jobs that I hold because of that comfort level. Yeah, but what's, but here's the thing, Joe, right now, I'm looking in the camera that's making direct eye contact with our audience and with you. But if I were to look at you, this is what it would look like. And the reason I'm harping on this is because I see people running meetings as leaders and they're looking in the wrong place. And someone says, what's the difference where I'm looking? Well, it makes all the difference in the world if people can't see your eyes. Am I making too much of that? No, absolutely. Or if the lighting's not quite right, or <laughs> if they're in shadows, or even right. if they're not presentable. I mean, people are looking at what you're wearing and, uh, and, and, and if there's distractions, then you take away from your message. So you really do have to set up in a quiet spot. And I'm fortunate I have a home office that I'm able to work in. Uh, we were very fortunate the dog hasn't started barking and she- oh, ours was doing it 10 minutes ago, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I- You so, think people are more, are more, not just forgiving, but understanding, Dr. Marbach, of all the things going on in our homes. I think so. It's also given us a little insight into how people live. Uh, and uh, I'm always amazed when someone's in the bedroom and they're setting up for a, a meeting and- Oh, stop, Joe. Are you, hold on one second. You were talking about people who sometimes go to a meeting or present in a meeting out of their bedroom? Yeah, because that's the only quiet room in the house. I shouldn't laugh because you're right. Everyone's got a different situation. I shouldn't be, that was pretty callous of me. Um, people are where they have to be, where they can be, right? Absolutely, and, and some people are fortunate, as I said, like me, to have a home office. Other people have been going outside because of this beautiful weather, so, um, but still you get an insight into where people live and, and how they surround themselves. So I, I've found it uh, very um, enlightening with the people I've been working with. Last question on leadership. Uh, I think I've said this to you before, but it's one of the chapters in my book, Lessons in Leadership. Um, it's the chapter is simply called Great Leaders Sometimes Piss People Off. And that comes from a quote from General Colin Powell in an interview, interview I did with him about 15 years ago. And he said, Steve, sometimes great leaders make tough decisions and they piss people off. So my question to you is, particularly in these challenging times with budgets and revenue and all the fear and anxiety and the uncertainty, we have to make tough calls. We'll get people less than happy with us. Do you think much about that or you just do what you have to do? Um, I, I do what I have to do. I, my mother told me when I first took my an administrative position. She said, well, you know, people aren't going to like you anymore. <laughs> and it, it kind of comes with the territory. It wasn't about being liked. And, uh, and I know I'm not the most popular guy on campus because we've had to go through a series of, of cuts and, and expense reductions. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the survival and the, and the thriving of Georgian court is what's driving me. And, and people will come out on the other end much better than they were before. So we're asking for short-term sacrifices and we're listening to people too, Steve. We're not just making arbitrary decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, we're listening to people. When, when we had the unrest of a couple weeks ago with protests in the streets, uh, our students of color were feeling really um, at, at risk and vulnerable. And one of the first things I did was set up a Zoom meeting. 130 people, students, faculty, staff got online to just talk about their experience, what they were feeling, and what they wanted Georgian Court to do. And, and we've taken action to expand uh, diversity and inclusion on campus as a direct result of listening to people. Listening, one of the number one traits of being a great leader, finally uh, 
leadership can be lonely. And I'm not crying the blues. I'm just saying sometimes in the end, you make that call, you make that decision. Um, if you think everyone's going to like it or it's going to be popular, you're sadly mistaken. But um, I'll get off my soapbox. Dr. Joe Marbach is the president of uh, Georgian Court University. Joe, thank you for your friendship and your insight and your advice over the years. All the best, Joe. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate all the work you're doing, too. Hey, that was Joe Marbach from Georgian Court University. Mary, I, what I loved was he said his mother told him when he took an administrative position, quote, you know people won't like you anymore. So true. So true. Those words are, uh, it, it's unfortunate and fortunate. You're not always going to be popular when you're a leader. You need to make tough choices, uh, but you need to definitely get a thick skin because not everybody's going to like you. And I'll tell you who we like. Check this segue out. We like our sponsors. They are. We do. Wow. Uh, we've got, <laughs> we love our sponsors. We have Gibbons PC, a law firm. We have Prager Metis. Uh, we have Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, and our newest sponsor, the Downs Strategic Leadership Institute, which is all about leadership. And by the way, uh, that Downs Strategic Leadership Institute, named after uh, its creator, Larry Downs, our good friend, talk about a great leader. He'll be joining us at a late, on a later edition, a uh, uh, future edition of Lessons in Leadership. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. As you can tell, she cuts me off when I need to. And then Elvin Badger says in the chat room, hey, Steve, just say goodbye. Goodbye, folks. We'll see you next time. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825.